on Tuesday nights. All we do is Sports Talk Atlanta. Tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern Time with host Travis McGee and Jamel Johnson. And, by the way, we talk HBCU first. Then we get you ready for all the sports news of the week around the world. We can't wait for you to stop by Never Had It So Good Sports Radio for the best sports show in America on Tuesday night. Let's go! Good evening, this is Sports Talk Atlanta on the Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network and Radio. I am your host, Travis McGee. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jamel Johnson. Jamel, how are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great, Travis. How are you tonight? Man, I'm doing outstanding, Jamel. Jamel, it's another, I mean another, great week of sports in America, starting with March Madness. Another great week. It seems like it happens every week at this point. But, uh, yeah, the March Madness is really heating up. We are in the Sweet 16 now. We've already had a couple of upsets. I know me personally, Princeton is really um, really making making some noise. I did not expect them to get this far. Usually when people think of Ivy League, you don't really think of um, sports. And Princeton is really showing a lot of these Power 5 schools up, um, and they are now in the Sweet 16. Just like and a lot of other these uh, good teams, they are really playing – their hearts out and trying to make it to that big game. Hey, man, you know, last week we talked about Florida Atlantic and the beautiful campus that they have on the beach in the state of Florida. But, you know, I know you looked at a lot of games and I did too, but, man, I just really got to bring this up. And we didn't talk about this in our production meeting. But Fairleigh Dickerson, they beat the number one seed, Purdue. Purdue had a center that was 7-4, Jamel. Seven four. Wow. <laughs> Fairly Dickerson with the work on that. They won. I couldn't believe it, man. I couldn't believe it. Great game by Fairly Dickerson also, although they got knocked off by Florida Atlantic and uh man, man, it was just it was tremendous. I loved it. it you know, it just really shows you about the enthusiasm of uh, of, of of March Madness. Yeah, March Madness. You really, I mean, you just never really know what's gonna happen. You know who uh, the top seeds are, and you know who has been playing well all season. But one of these teams, one of these underdog underdog teams, can come in if they're a 16 seed, 14 seed, 15 seed. It doesn't matter. They can come in. They can just be having a really, really good night. They can be clicking on all cylinders, and it really just comes down to who can make those last crucial buckets to win the game. And they can, like we've been seeing. They can really outlast some of these top teams, and like like Shirley Dickinson beating Purdue with a seven four center. I mean, when you think when you think you have that size, I mean, I, I'm expecting you to get to at least uh, at least eight or you know the final four or something like that. But and Purdue is a very very good team. But we you know the first round they just had uh, a, a team that came in and uh, was yeah. clicking on you know, P's and Q's, everything like that, and making all their shots. So um, better luck next year. That's all I can say. Hey, man, with, with situations like that, I'm just using this as an example, but with situations like that, at a team, if you played team sports before, and then, you know, the other team might have somebody that's out of the normal range of whatever size, weight, height, whatever, speed, they might have somebody that's super fast. Well, in this case, you know, Purdue was ranked number one, you know, flip-flopping with Kansas and some other teams all year. But because of that, you know, on the on the other team, I'm just going to use Fairleigh Dickerson. You know, I'm sure the team, when they first found out that they were going to play Purdue, you know, they're going, man, the center's 7-4. Yeah. You know, some guys, and, you know, Jamel, you always going to have some guys go, so what that means? <laughs> <laughs> and it showed. That's why I brought that up, and it showed, man. They went out there, and they went to work, man. Hey, man, don't get me wrong. He he made you a just shot. He made you, when you come in that paint, he had a presence in there. But, hey, man, Fairleigh Dickerson just kept playing. They just kept playing. All of a sudden they won. And I was just, 
I, you know, that was a big win for them in their program, so I want to give a shout-out to them. Our HBCU teams didn't do too well as far as winning. Um, Kennesaw State, uh, they were up by double digits. Kennesaw State out of Kennesaw, Georgia, they were up by double digits, but they just couldn't pull it off, man. They just couldn't pull it off. So I want to give a shout-out to all of the, the teams that made it to the uh, big dance and could not pull it out. Now we're at the Sweet 16 where everything really shifts gears. And after this particular weekend, things are going to shift gears again. And, hey, man, we're going to be at the Final Four before you know it. Yeah, most definitely. I can't wait to see it. I was I was really pulling for Kansas State. I was hoping they were going to go far. But, you know, I think they, they shouldn't hang their head too much. Uh, they have a really good program. And next year I think they'll definitely be back again. Sounds good. Here at Sports Talk Atlanta, HBCU Sports News and Updates is our brand. So let's jump right into it before we have our guest tonight. We have a super guest, man, coming in from the Major Major League Baseball front office in New York, man. I can't wait for everybody to meet this young man, very young man. We're talking 24 years old, working in New York, working uh, Major League Baseball, the MLB. So we want everybody to stick around for that. It's going to be very interesting, but Here's the moment that we've all been waiting for, HBCU Sports News Updates. Hey, man, we're going to honor Willis Reed, who passed away today, man. He was a Grambling State alumni and two-time NBA champion with the New York Knicks. We would like to say um, condolences to the Reed family. Um, I will say this. Uh, not too long after I got out of college and got married and whatnot, uh, Willis Reed lived in the Marietta area. He was working with the Atlanta Hawks at that time, and my wife, one of her first jobs was a bank here uh, in the Marietta area. And he used to come in there all the time. Well, at that time, she didn't know who Willis Reed was, but she came home one day and she said, you know what? I met this guy today, and his name was Willis Reed. Do you know anything about him? Jamel, I probably hit the roof. <laughs> with, the, with the excitement. I'm like, what? <laughs> And then he started coming in the bank often, you know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, again, man, I want to uh, um, send condolences out to the Reed family. And I want to, you know, I hope all the HBCU Nation, HBCU Nation feels this loss. Tremendous athlete. And everybody remembers that day, 1970, man, game seven. New York Knicks were playing. I forget who they were playing, but myself and my dad, we watched a lot of football during my young young days. That's why I know a lot about sports, man, because we used to watch a lot. Well, Willis Reed had went out of the game. Now, Jamel, it's game seven. He goes out. This is in Madison Square Garden. He goes out. Game seven. He, it's in Madison Square Garden in New York. I'm eight years old. He goes yeah. out. We're, I'm watching the game. He goes out with an injury. Everybody thinks he's gone. It's, it's, this is it. He's not He's not playing no more. Man, a little while later, he limps back out there. He's coming crowd. And he gets back out there. Hey, man, you would have hey, thought nothing was wrong because it was a major injury because, like I said, most of the sportscasters said, you know, he's going to be out for the rest of the game. <laughs> Excuse me, the Knicks. Um, excuse me, the, you. Um, the, we don't know what the Knicks are going to do. The whole nine yards. <laughs> Again, excuse me, everybody. They come back. They win the game because of him. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of warrior story is that? I said, what kind of warrior story is that? Oh yeah, and that was, uh, think about it. That was before kind of the major medicines that we get. You know, when players go out with injuries and they give them medicine and tell them to go back out there. That was kind of before all that. You were kind of going exactly. back out there. Getting, you know, if, if you had an injury, you were getting it wrapped or just getting it looked at, getting it checked out, and then told if you can go back out there and play or not. But now we have a bunch of technology to where you can really give it, give something to a player, and it will just numb the injury for the rest of the game, and they won't even feel it. And then obviously the next day they'll probably feel it, but for they'll for the most part they'll be good for the rest of the game. But that was kind of before all that, um, and that just goes yeah. to show how tough how tough Willis Reed was and how um, pro just 
he he wanted to go out there and win for his team. Um, and you know right. he didn't really he want to uh, hold anything back. He wanted to leave it all on the field. And you know that Willis Reed was such um, an impact in the HBCU community because one of the teams for the uh, HBCU All Star Basketball Game this year is named after Willis Reed. So you know right. we're going to continue to honor him, honor his legacy. Two times NAS or two times NBA champion, two times Finals MVP, uh, most valuable player in 1970. So you know we're definitely going to honor him. Continue, uh, continue to honor him. Obviously, I wasn't around when he was, you know, putting up those numbers back in the day. But um, I've yeah. definitely seen some highlights, and I am glad to have him made an impact on HBCU sports and sports in general. So you can do your own study on how the NBA drafts HBCU. Look at the talent that the HBCUs has produced and look how they draft from HBCUs now. Hardly any. And you and I have already talked about this, so we don't have to go over this, but it's really sad that you could build a country off the backs of a race of people and now you don't need them anymore. And this is how you treat them. Wow. Really? Come on. Come on. Exactly. And then you got people like Willis Reed that give their almost give their life. Give their life, man. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I told you last week about Damon Sotomayor that went to um the new Georgia Tech coach when you said you didn't know yeah. who he was. And I told you from now on, I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the, the key and when I when the clue and I'm gonna say when I say off the chain uh, off the chain <laughs> You know that that person was really good at what he did, you know. Because, <laughs> like you said, you know, you, you were too young. You know, I was eight years old when that happened. So, you know, yeah. you know. So, but uh, yeah, uh, again, man, Willis Reed was a great talent man coming out of Grambling State University, which is in the SWAC. Hey, man, we're going to move right along. The UCF, UNCF National Faith Campaign makes a mark for HBCU students all across the nation. And for almost eight, eight decades, UNCF, United Negro College Fund, and the faith community have partnered together. On February 26, hundreds of churches and congregations around the country will collect special donations to support UNCF and students attending historically black colleges and universities. And, um, hey, man, I think that's just a great deal because uh, HBCUs, all, of course, need all the support that they can get, all the support that they can get because of, you know, lack of this, lack of that, for whatever the reason may be. I think that that's just a great gesture. What do you think, uh, Jamel? It's definitely important giving back to HBCU, giving all these donations and money to them, especially when you see places like Tennessee State. Um, the state owes money to them, and they're not giving it right. to them. Um, right. We, we've seen it, you know, time and time again, and we're now seeing it with that school. Uh, but it's very important that we as a community give back to them because they've done so much and they've basically laid the groundwork for the country right now. They have laid the groundwork for black people and black people in the workforce or if you're a player in, you know, what any type of league or whatever, they, I mean, they've helped everybody get to at some point in time, get to where they need to be. Um, and it's, it's littered, HBCUs are basically just littered across all of the United States um, and, and jobs and everything. So it's very important that we give back to those schools, um, like I said, because yeah. they don't want to, you know, government doesn't want to give us the funding. They don't want to put into the schools that made this country. So, you know, we basically have to do it ourselves. Um, and we just have to – just with black businesses, you got to support black businesses, you got to support black colleges, the exact same thing. Exactly, man. Hey, man, well said. Well said, uh, Jamel. And I hope all of my listeners got a chance to listen to what you just said, man. Just well said. And, um, hey, man, shout out to all HBCUs. And with me, everybody knows HBCU for life. And listen to this one. Former Benedict uh, Tigers co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Kevin Second, Kevin Saxton the second has announced he has accepted a position as an offensive assistant with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Saxton will be taking over a position previously held by Dan Williams, who was promoted to the team's offensive quality control coach. He is one of three new coaches hired by the Chiefs 
um, that's coming from the college level now. He's coming from Benedict College, which is an HBCU. Uh, Saxon announced his exit from Benedict on March 3rd in a lengthy statement posted on his Twitter account in which he has thanked Tigers head coach Tennis Berry uh, for the opportunity, man. What an opportunity. And I think that, uh, you know, going 10-0 and last year didn't didn't hurt too bad, did it? It definitely did, uh, and they were five and zero away, six and one at home, um, and that that one loss came in the uh, I believe the the playoffs at the end there. But um, I mean, it was it was very very important um, to have that opportunity, and I really want to see what that offense is going to look like now that Eric Bieniemy is gone. I believe Magnaggy is now the offensive coordinator there, um, and with him becoming an offensive assistant, he's going to be getting. Um, I mean, Matt Nagy used to be a head coach also with the with the Bears, and then he was also getting that experience coaching under head coach Andy Reid, who then to, I believe, four Super Bowls. I know he went to one with the Eagles. Um, and with the Chiefs, he's been he's won two and then been to one where he uh, lost to, to the Buccaneers. Um, so I think that's very important for Saxton, and I love it. I love it when HBCU uh, coaches are able to get that experience in the NFL it's very it's so exciting um because just going there when he had so much success at Benedict and that was a very high-powered offense um and going now the NFL is just going to be so exciting to watch um and see how that offense flourishes now with you know Saxton having his input on there obviously there's going to be other people getting um you know getting that effort going into the, the Chiefs offense, but I think Saxon is going to have a, a big part. And he's going to make his name known, I feel like, on that coaching staff. And he'll be elevated to the offensive coordinator very soon or with another team, um, be that. But, you know, I, I think he's going to thrive. Hey, man, he'll be the offensive coordinator in about two years because Matt Nagy was the one, the head coach with the Bears, with a guy that they call uh, Justin Fields. And he mm-hmm. left Justin and he left Justin Fields out to dry. Yeah. His rookie his rookie year, he left him out to dry. So that's why I say that. Um just like I talk about the forty ers coach, Matt Matt Nagy's the same way. So it won't be long. And I think that, that uh Mr. Saxon will be their offensive coordinator once he learns the system, it's over. It's over. Oh yeah, it's serious. Over. It's over. And, you know that's that's just my opinion, and I think my opinion. Uh, you've seen my opinion, and and we're gonna go from there. Hey, look at this. We have got about two minutes before we go to break. Uh, the 2023 HBCU All Star rosters has been announced uh, for Final Four showcase. Um, the 24 players have been selected for the 2023 HBCU All Star game are considered the best players from the four HBCU NCAA Division One and two conferences. In the nation. Um, hey, man, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like we t- said earlier, uh, RIP, uh, rest in peace, uh, Willis Reed. You have Team Willis Reed. Um, hey, man, I would like for everybody to, um, you know, that you can go to our website. Well, you can go to our Facebook page and look at all of this information from that. And it, it is very interesting um, of all of the players coming from the different schools and I want to give a shout-out to all of the players, too, man, because they put in a lot of hard work to get here, a lot of hard work. So here they are. Yeah, here they are, man. Um, uh, Grumman State Athletics announced Monday that the removal of Freddie Murray as head coach of the women's basketball program effective immediately. Um, so that's, that's you know, they're looking for a new head coach for the women's basketball team. And 10 greatest HBCU basketball players of all time ranked HBCU teams often underdogs in the NCAA tournament. In fact, HBCU teams are responsible for some of the biggest upsets in NCAA history, man. Um, hey, I mean, you talking? we're talking Sam Jones. Uh, we're talking Earl Monroe, Charles Oakley, Avery Johnson, Larry Smith, uh, Javon Scales, Larry Stewart, Reginald uh, Johnson, Kyle O'Quinn, DeMont, uh, I can't say it, Demontria Jefferson. Uh, those are just, you know, to name a few of HBCU, um, I guess you could say basketball players that went on to to have a very good NBA career, all of them, you know. So um, 
uh, shout out to all of the all of the HBCU All Stars, man. I, I I mean, this is such a great thing to be created, and I think that they'll do well. What we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna have an interview with Kalen Ashford Jones. He's coordinator and youth content for Major League Baseball. Man, I can't wait. This is gonna be some very good, uh, uh, just you know, interesting information coming from a very uh, young man that's working in New York in Major League Baseball in the front office, man. Good stuff. This is Sports Talk Atlanta on the Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network and Radio. We'll be right back. CampLyman.com is an opportunity for my big boys to come get some work. Let's put it all together. We built from the ground up. You know, our cliche is it all starts up front. Once again, start, stance, hand placement, hand separation, get off counter moves, a little bit of everything. Polish up those skills before your middle school or high school season began. Just come work on your craft. Once again, CampLyman.com. Hey, South Carolina. Greetings from music recording artist Marcus Allen. Our accountants at Javis Tax Service won the state's best tax office in the state. They're open year-round to serve you from Columbia's only drive through office. Give them a call, 803-419-1001. That's 803-419-1001. And we're back. This is Sports Talk Atlanta. Never had it so good. Sports Media Network and Radio. I am your host, Travis McGee. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jamel Johnson. This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. This is the best show on a Tuesday night in America. I'm going to say that once again. This is the best show on a Tuesday night in America. And for us to be the best, we want to invite the best here. We have our very special guest tonight. We have Mr. Caleb Ashford. Jones. He is with Major League Baseball. We want to welcome him to the show. Mr. Jones, how are you tonight, sir? <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I'm blessed. I'm blessed tonight. How are you guys feeling? Doing good. Doing, doing well. Doing well. My uh, my co-host is Mr. Jamel Johnson. Uh, Caleb. How you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? How you feeling? I'm good. I'm, you're excited to be here. I, I hear it. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, one thousand percent. Hey, man, Caleb, we're gonna jump right in because I know you're a busy man, and what I like to do, man, is just um, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your position, man, that you hold right there with Major League Baseball. And and look at this, man. I know you used to play baseball uh, in college, but can we talk about the capacity? that you work in Major League Baseball first in the front office in New York so all of our listeners uh, can know uh, and can get comfortable with yourself. Absolutely. First of all, thank you. I really I appreciate it. Starting from the from the intro, uh, I got goosebumps just hearing you uh, introduce me, so I appreciate you a lot. Um, my, the official capacity in which I work for Major League Baseball, I am the youth content coordinator um, for, the, for social media, essentially. So, when um, you look at all of the initiatives that Major League Baseball has in place to grow the game from literally starting at a grassroots level all the way up to the elite development-like stages um, leading into the college levels, um, I'm the social media guy for it. Myself, along with uh, another colleague of mine, uh, we manage um, all of the uh, youth social media platforms that's out there. That's the MLB developed handles, um, the play ball handles, um, and the MLB RBI handles, as well as the Major League Baseball Youth Academy uh, handles as well. So um, from a high-level standpoint, that's essentially uh, the job that I have. But the way that I take on the job every day, I see this as um, an opportunity to impact my community. Um, I'm very passionate about the uplift of uh, young African-American kids, uh, getting the opportunity to shine both on the field and in the front offices. Um, and I'm, I'm – I'm I'm starting to learn, you know, the the importance and power behind representation, and uh, yeah. the fact that I am, you know, I come from the place that I come from, and I'm able to relate with so many young kids that 
don't even dare to dream of uh, to walk the halls of the commissioner's office and get to rub elbows uh, every now and again with the commissioner. Um, uh, I'm in a very blessed position, uh, all in all. That's all I can say. Amen. That sounds great. I'm, I'm Jamel. My co-host has a question for you, and then after that, I'll jump right back in. Jamel, go ahead. Yeah, man, so it sounds like you're really getting a lot of good experience. Um, and I know you went to Morehouse, so Travis is probably very, very excited. But uh, coming from an HBCU or really any college, um, to be so young, how does it feel to be in such a position right now? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's, it's a tremendous responsibility. First and foremost, I'm blessed. I, I have to say that. Like to start, I'm, yeah. I'm blessed to be in the position that I'm in right now, especially at the young age of um, and fresh out of college, essentially, um, and making the impact that I'm making right now. But I, I see this as a tremendous responsibility uh, for a lot of uh, other people out there, a lot of young kids out there who um, don't think that this the the type of impact that they would like to make on the game of baseball is uh, within their foreseeable futures. Some of them might see this as a down-the-line type of thing. So um, I'm in a blessed position to be able to say, like, no, fresh out of college, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated, driven, dedicated, um, and was able to be afforded with the opportunity uh, to work within the commissioner's office of Major League Baseball. So uh, it's a tremendous responsibility uh, all in all. But like I said from the beginning, I'm blessed just to be here in the beginning. Hey, man, that sounds great, man. Look at this. Now, you played baseball at a Division two school in Atlanta, Georgia, Morehouse College. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, all, I, all I can say is go house. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but my thing is going from, a, you know, going from college straight to the pros in another capacity besides playing has to be different. So talk to us about that unusual excitement. I, I, I it's, I don't even know if I want to call it an unusual excitement. It's it's more so of I kind of proved to myself that there's another way to essentially become a, a professional, a, a big leaguer, but um, in a different capacity. For the longest of time, say I was around 10 years old, um, and as soon as yeah. I started picking up a bat, um, I became like most kids out here, dedicated to become a professional baseball player. In some way, shape, right. or form, I didn't care if I was a pitcher or a catcher, an outfielder batting ninth or batting third. It didn't matter. I just wanted to be on the field at the highest of stages. Um, unfortunately, my senior year of high school, uh, I experienced um, an injury. I broke um, I broke and dislocated my ankle playing football. Um, and I had to make a decision. You know, fortunately, I was able to recover in time to get back uh, for my senior year uh, to, to play uh, high school baseball um, and then went on to play uh, college baseball at Morehouse. But ultimately, when that, that moment happened, I had the realization of, you know what, <laughs> this, can, this can be taken from me in, 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 a, in an instant like this, the, the big league dream that I have, essentially. So I, I, I need to figure out, like, what does um, an alternative route essentially look like um, to still, uh, I guess, call myself a professional big leaguer. Um, even though I'm not, you know, literally putting on the cleats and stepping in between the lines. But I'm making the impact um, that I feel that I will be making if I was still playing uh, to this day, but I'm doing it uh, in a different way. And in a, I'm really, I'm excited about it. And I, like I said, I don't, I don't know if I would call it an unusual excitement because I'm, I'm actually striving to make this uh, the norm. Uh, I, I really want this to be something to where kids can say, oh, wow, you know what, I can – make it as whatever I want to be within, you know, the ranks of Major League Baseball, and it doesn't have to just be a player. It doesn't have to just be a coach or trainer or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. But I can also make a huge impact off the field and use all of the creative, you know what I mean, the creative ways that, that, they, think, that they can think of making an impact. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a blessed position to actually be doing that and walking in that purpose. So absolutely. <laughs> You know, one last thing, and, and this one, I'm, I'm gonna say a little bit before I ask you this: uh, Negro League baseball record book. But before you uh, answer anything about that, I tell my wife all the time. I guess you know, you know when you when you're around a person and they say it all the time, you, you just say, "Okay, yeah, yeah." But myself and my dad looked at a lot of a base of sports. No, whether it was Muhammad Ali boxing, 
uh, baseball, basketball, football, some soccer, swimming, I mean, golf, whatever it was. I was always looking at that, I mean, my sports growing up. And uh, to, uh, rest in peace, Willis Reed passed away today. And I saw, I was just telling Jamel at eight years old, I was eight years old at the time. Myself and my dad was watching that. Guy. And, um, you know, baseball has come a long way for African Americans. And to see the Negro League record book, because they used to be separate at one time, are now a part of Major League Baseball. All of those record books, the Satchel Page and the rest of the crew, uh, Hank Aaron was in there at one time with Negro League. But for all of them to come in, and, and, and I don't know who it is, but if someone, uh, excuse me, if they have their, their, their radio on or something in the background, could you please lower it, please? Uh, yes. Um, but for them to come into the record book, to me, for the things that I've seen over the years in this country, it's just phenomenal. And I'd like for you to talk about what you've seen because you've witnessed the Negro League record book coming to uh, Major League Baseball. Which is phenomenal, man. Give me your point on what you see, and like you said, to be blessed in the in the front office. Um, let's talk about it, please. Yeah. Um, so I can't actually sit and say that I was there at the start of the fruition when they, you know, they birthed the idea of integrating um, the right. Negro League right. history books into Major League Baseball history books. But I was definitely right. very attentive to the news when uh, when it broke. And I view this as something that's just it's it's beautiful. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's historic. Um, not only just for Major League Baseball or for the Negro League as a whole, but baseball culture um, as as a whole. It's 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 Major League Baseball um, and the Negro League. You know, openly saying, you know what, like all of our our history and our our analytical stats or whatever the case may be, um, it holds weight in whatever form of um, excuse me, not whatever form, but whatever decade and time in which it happened, um, the, the Negro Leagues have a ton of legendary players um, out here whose who's, who's stats and analytics necessarily rival some of the big names that were, were up there with Major League Baseball history. But so I see this as, you know, a very big and beautiful thing. Um, and I still know that it's still in progress. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of history that needs to be um, – um, gone through essentially um so it's still a work in progress but i'm definitely looking forward to seeing the finished product of what the uh, negro league history um analytics essentially looks like in it fully integrated with major league baseball history so it's a blessing that, like i said like you said earlier it's a blessing to be in this position to, uh, to witness it from this standpoint rather than just being yeah. you know a fan taking in that news and saying oh wow like that's cool uh, but to be on, you know, this side of the window, I guess, is kind of cool. It's yeah. amazing. Amen. I can only imagine when you go to work and when you see, I don't know what you all see on a daily basis, but to know that that those record books are, record books are not part of Major League Baseball history. I mean, you, I mean, there's no way you cannot be at all to see that at your age. And to be it, like you say, you you know, this is a blessing career for you. This is the mm-hmm. way you can't just pop your mouth sometimes and say, I can't believe I'm here. Right. 1,000%. I still to this day, I tell some people in the office, uh, every time that I step off the elevator and walk through it into the little main lobby or whatever, I still get chills as if I'm yeah. stepping into the building for the first time. And I'm, it's coming up on a year soon for me. I'm still, you know, uh, fresh meat on the block, I should say. But I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm getting that. Uh, I'm getting that experience. But each and every yeah. day, I'm still. I still feel like a little kid. Like, oh my goodness! Yeah. Like, I'm. I'm so nervous to be here, even though at the same time, I know I'm, and I'm confident that I deserve to be here, and I'm exactly where I belong. So, like, like I guess the, the key word of the entire interview and conversation is, it's, it's a blessing. Everything has been a blessing. Yeah. One thousand percent. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, I think that's about it for us, sir. I just want to thank you for your time, for coming over and sharing that. 
Now, you said you were part of a social media team, correct? Yes, correct. How many would you say, just off the top of your head, would be a Major League Baseball social media team? How many would be on the social media team? Yeah, you you know, I guess you said that you you have another another partner does your coordination. Social media. Yes, Does, I'm sure. I'm sure Major League Baseball has a social media department. Oh, correct. There's about. Uh, I don't want to put an exact estimate on it, an right. exact number right. on it, because I could be wrong. But in the ballpark right. of about 20 of us. So okay. there's about 20 of us that manage uh, and run um, ultimately all of the Major League Baseball uh, social media platforms as a whole. Good man. Sounds good. And. I have a social media team right here at Sports Talk Atlanta, so I might be calling on you one day if you don't mind. Come on. Come on. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I appreciate you all. Thank you for giving me your time. I, re- I really do appreciate this. Thank you. Amen. And, and continue to learn all you can, man. And, amen. That that day is coming when you, you get what you wanted. Whatever you're striving for within the office, you're going to get that. That day is coming. I just want to let you know. Absolutely. I appreciate it. In the meantime, I'm going to continue to to walk in my purpose. Thank you. I appreciate you. Hey, man, you have a blessed rest of the evening. Same to you. Thanks. We're going to go to a break here at Sports Talk Atlanta. We want to let all of our listeners know we just spoke with youth coordinator for Major League Baseball, Mr. Kalen Ashford-Jones. He used to play baseball here in Atlanta at Morehouse College, and now he works in New York with Major League Baseball. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more sports and more sports news and updates. This is Sports Talk Atlanta on the Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network and Radio. We'll be right. Do you need tile installed in your home or business? Then John Robinson Tile LLC is the company for you. We have over 60 years of experience installing tile. We do bathrooms, kitchens, and so much more. Give us a call at 803-529-0092. Check out our website at www.johnrobinsontile2.com. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search J-Rob Tile or John Robinson Tile. We're licensed and insured and Schluter certified. If you need tile installed, we are your company. We believe in laying hands on everything that we do. That's John Robinson Tile Installation Service for new and old homes. Renovation of kitchens and bathrooms installs all types. That's John Robinson Tile, the number two, dot com. And we're back. This is Sports Talk Atlanta on the Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network and Radio. I am your host, Travis McGee. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jamel Johnson. Jamel, if you don't mind, let all of our listeners know how they can follow us. Yeah, so you guys can follow us on Twitter, Sports Talk ATL1, Facebook, Sports Talk Atlanta, and then on Instagram, at Sports Talk Atlanta. Once again, that is Twitter, at Sports Talk ATL1. Facebook, Sports Talk Atlanta, and then Instagram at Sports Talk Atlanta. Man, I mean, uh, that was that was a great deal, wouldn't you say, with Mr. Kalen Ashton Jones coming out of New York, Major League Baseball, good stuff, wouldn't you say? It was really good stuff. I enjoyed hearing him talk, um, and it, it's really a unique position, honestly, um, what he's doing. Um, and you know, I looked at his LinkedIn. He got a lot of opportunities. What we were, um, what he was talking about, uh, meeting the commissioner, talking to the commissioner. I mean, when you think of somebody doing that, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of people that get to do that every day. And he's in a very unique position um, to also yeah. give, you know, outreach um, and help black college students also um, as well. And it's very important. He went to Morehouse, so I know that was very uh, special for you also hearing somebody like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I really love that interview with him, and, and it shows our young, you and others, you and the rest of the interns, man. It shows you a lot about, um, uh, you know, what he does with social media, man. You know, it's very serious, man. And, and, and you know, Major League Baseball has, what, 31, 32 teams? So yeah. they're doing social 
year for all of those 32 teams to promote the league. So, you know, yeah. they, have a job, they have a job to do every day. And then sometimes they might have to bring the job home. So, um, you know, everybody works hard. Everybody works hard. And that's a good thing, man, because, you know, hard work always pays off. Look at this. we got about uh, 20 minutes left to go. Um, Atlanta Falcons are set to host a free agent, uh, I guess you could say Callis Camp, defensive tackle, who was recently released by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Campbell is 36 years old. He's been in six Pro Bowls. Has a dominant, uh, he was a dominant defensive lineman in the past decade. 36 years old, uh, Jamel, do you think they should sign him? Uh, I do think they should sign him because when you look at Calais Campbell, he's been one of my favorite defensive players since he came in the league in 2008. He's been around a long time. 36 years old, uh, the Falcons have a very young team, offense and defense. Uh, the Falcons are a very, very young team. And to be successful, to be so young, you have to have veteran leadership. And what I think they should do is bring Calais Campbell in, and he can mentor. We have some young defensive linemen, Lorenzo Carter, uh, some young linebackers, and some young DBs. So he can be a mentor to those guys on the defensive end, as well as the offensive guys. Just be a mentor in general. Give these guys some advice about how to navigate their careers and, um, you know, how to how – to, have longevity because he is 36 and playing defensive lineman and being 36 playing so long, that is a very, very tough task to do. Um, and he can really give some insight on how to take care of your bodies and how to figure out how to eat well and just have a long career um, as, as Calais Campbell has had. And he's 6'8 as well. So they kind of use him as a you know, defensive tackle. They kind of use him as that guy to kind of stuff the run and stuff kind of holds and get through there because he can go up against those those big offensive linemen at a six five six six two. Um, he's one of the tallest players in the league. When you think six eight, you're thinking basketball. Six eight is very very big. He's also three hundred seventy uh, three not three hundred seventy three hundred and seven pounds. Uh, so I think it's very good if we could get him. Uh, like I said, the, the the Falcons are a young team, and I think they should stick to staying young, but at the same time get a veteran piece here and there, get a veteran piece for offense, and get a veteran piece for defense. And I think Calais Campbell could be that guy. Hey, man, six years Pro Bowl is uh, stands out. 36 years old, though, man, he's four years from 40. Now, I want to give the new – Atlanta Falcons, um, uh, uh, what is it, the the general manager? I want to give him a shout-out. Because he's done some things over the last two weeks. The Falcons spent about $250 million on some good quality players. My opinion. Some Mm -hmm. good quality players. Some players that's got Pro Bowl experience. Some players that are young, like you said before, some players that I think will get the job done, particularly in the secondary. Uh, they want to sign the highest-paid, best offensive lineman probably in the league, right, if not the best, one of the best, which they need a lot of help on the offensive line and defensive line. And what you're saying with Mr. Calais Campbell, great with him and Grady Jarrett, they might can make some noise. I want them to make some noise. Um, but this is the thing that sticks out with me about this general manager that I like what I'm seeing. He's getting these guys and not giving up any picks. Yeah, exactly. That's, that is good stuff, man. That is good stuff. That is that is that is tremendous thinking, man, because a lot of these things I'm seeing with all these tremendous trades and this, that, and the other, they're going to go for a third-round pick. You can, I can get Jamel Johnson, but if we get him, we got to give up our third round and fifth round pick, you know. But Jamel better be very good. That's that's my thinking. Well, he better be very good, and we better we better make it to the playoffs. And not only to the playoffs, we need to get we need to make it to the second round. Yeah, I think he's doing a very good job with that. Um, not giving up a lot of picks with the uh, with the people that he's bringing in. So, hey man, again, yeah. shout out to that Atlanta Falcons. What do you think? Yeah, I think he I think he's doing great. When you look at the past decade for the Falcons, we really didn't make any noise in free agency. We did. We got. I remember we got Tony Gonzalez back in I want to say 2013, 2014. I don't remember which year it was. 
we got Tony Gonzalez, and that was really, really huge for us because at the time, Tony Gonzalez was the best tight end in football. He was that tight end before um, a lot of the tight ends. You can think of maybe like Shannon Sharp, that guy who you could use in the passing game. But before Tony Gonzalez, Gonzalez, there was – yeah, yeah, Gronkowski, those guys that they really came in the 2010s, early 2000s era. Um, but right. a lot of the time before, before those guys, tight ends were just used as an extra lineman. They were used to bring in, uh, to have six down linemen, and then you use them in the run game or to, for, for some extra uh, pass support. What Tony Gonzalez was, we actually did use him at the time. The, uh, Kansas City used him as both. They used him as extra run support, and they used him in the passing game. So it was very – you didn't know if he was going when, – when, when he was in, you didn't know if he was going um, on a route, or and you didn't know if he was blocking because he was a very good blocker as well. He could really stuff uh, some of those defense, those big defensive linemen and push them inside if they're bounced to the outside or push them to the outside. He was really good at that. Um, and they also, like I said, they used him in the past game. So it was like you have to really account for him in both areas because he could really um, make some noise on, for, uh, on, against the defense. And when we got him, it was really, really good. And then we ended up, I believe, going to the next or the same year or the next year we got him, we ended up going to the NFC Conference Championship, which was a big deal. Um, and I believe the – I don't remember when, but we got Alex Mack as well, um, who was a really good offensive lineman in free agency too. But – other than that, we didn't really do anything in free agency this, this past decade. Um, and we just kind of stuck with what we had, uh, and we got a few pieces here and there, but they weren't really big, big signings. But like I said, we stuck with what we had, stuck with Matt Ryan, stuck with Julio, which was good. It was okay. But now all of those, those veteran pieces, they've gone. They've gone to do other things. Matt Ryan went to Indianapolis this past year. Julio, he was traded to Tennessee about two years ago. Um, and now it's time to move on to find other pieces, do other things. And we had a lot of money as well. That was another thing. Thomas Dimitrov left us in salary cap hell. Um, you know, he, he, he did really didn't leave us with a whole bunch of money. Um, and now we have that money back, and now we're using it doing good things. We just signed Jesse Bates, uh, signed, I believe, another – defensive, but we signed a linebacker and we signed a defensive lineman, I remember. Um, and now with Calais Campbell, he's also, he's very, he's old, but he's also not going to cost that much because he is older. So he'll, he's in that era where he's trying to accept a, a contract where he can come to a team and win a championship or a team that's contending for a championship and it's, it's kind of playoff ready. And I think the I think the Falcons are very playoff ready. Like I said, we are a young team, but we have a lot of young talent. And like you said about the picks, it's very important not to give up your pick because when you look at these trades and you're giving away picks, yeah, you might get, say, say DeAndre Hopkins is on the market right now. Um, You might get DeAndre Hopkins, but you're definitely going to give up a second rounder at least for DeAndre Hopkins. And in the second rounder, you're looking at maybe a second rounder, and especially this draft, you, you could get a, a really good, solid young player that's 20, 21 years old out of the draft, and he could be a very right. solid piece. He could be a very, very good piece for you. And now you're missing out on that, and you're getting DeAndre Hopkins, who's like 31 years old, who has a good maybe four or five years left on him, just depending on how things go. But you're looking when – you, when you're looking to get new players, you're looking for 10-plus years. That's what you're looking for, and that's why it's so important to keep your draft picks and why – draft picks are so important in just free agency and trading and everything like that. It's important to keep your, your draft picks as much as you can because you're looking that that's the future. The draft is the future. Um, and it's very important. And I like that. Like you said, I do like what he's doing. Terry Fontenot, though, he's kind of utilizing free agency a little bit um, in the aspect. He's getting the players that aren't going to cost hardly anything in terms of uh, giving up picks or giving up players. We're just, Sign, you're, you know, you're giving them a contract, being like, here, do you like this? If you do, sign, and we can do business. Um, but you're not really giving up anything in terms of giving up uh, assets in, in, uh, in terms of, you know, that way. So I, I do like what he's doing. I think he's doing really good. He's only, he's only been here about three years. Um, he's, he's really turning it around, I want to say. We haven't been that good these past two years, but this, this past year I think we did a lot better than us. Uh, teams were well, not teams, but the experts were expecting. I know some some people were expecting us to win uh, two games. Uh, Adam Rank, I, I remember watching a 
YouTube video before the season started, and he said that we were going to go 2-14, and 14, I believe. And uh, we, we, we proved him wrong. We went 7-10. Didn't make the playoffs, but we still did uh, a lot better than what a lot of people were thinking. Yeah, man. You know, they went and got another tight end from the New England Patriots, too. Uh, you know, Donald so – Right. So the, the tight end that we have, the, the, he, he went to the Pro Bowl out of the University of Florida. His, first, his rookie year, he's at the Pro Bowl. Okay, great. Ever since then, up and down, up and down. He's got to get his act together. This is just me talking. He's got to get his act together. I think he will. I believe he will, and I hope he will because he's a good athlete. He could stand another 10 or maybe two, maybe another 10 or 15 pounds as a tight end. Time, um, you know, I think he's a, a, a very tremendous athlete to be a tight end. He, he's a good athlete. I say all of that to say, you know, they're putting it together to put together a, gr- a good team, the Atlanta Falcons, from what I'm seeing. Now, let's go back to that, that statement you made about 014, and we're going to leave the Falcons because we've got about nine minutes. We're going to leave the Falcons in a few minutes, but isn't that the team that had the nine pro bowlers on it? Uh, the, the Falcons? Yeah, the, one, at one time they had nine pro bowlers on the oh, team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One time, yeah. And and if I if I'm not mistaken, that 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 office of coordinators, the head coach with the Forty ers am I correct? If I'm not mistaken, that was, that, yeah, that was with them, yeah. Oh oh my God, mm. Shanahan, Shanahan, yeah. and you and you already know how I feel about him. <laughs> <laughs> you already know how I feel about him. Uh, you know they would have got some block. The guy Hargrave. From the from the Eagles, uh, he just signed. He's out of South Carolina State. He just signed with the 49ers. And I'm going, uh, you know, he could have King Kong out there. He, he's still late third quarter. He's going to figure out how to how to give the game away. But anyway, yeah. let's stick with the Falcons. Um, you know, I hope that they, they, they do well, and I hope they do better than they did this year. And, again, for them to make the smart moves that they're making and not giving up picks, man, it has to uh, – I'm giving the shout out to the general manager, man, and uh, hopefully he can do, you know, continue to do great things for the organization and take them places that they uh, haven't been before. So um, that's good stuff. Uh, do you have anything, Jamel? No, I know. I, I know on the script that uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Sweet 16 and who the teams were um, in March Madness, yeah. very quick. Well, you know, um, I'm an Alabama fan. You know that, and for Alabama to be talked about. In basketball, is just phenomenal, man. This is phenomenal stuff. I'm loving every minute of this. And, you know, I slick wish they could win it all. But they got some good yeah, teams I, out there. I, I yeah, really I'm, do, has, man. Has Alabama won the NCAA before? Not that I know of. I, yeah, I don't even ever been this far. Yeah, okay, okay, so I'm looking at it right now. In 2004, they made the Elite Eight, and that was the farthest they went, but that was in 2004. Um, and they made the Sweet 16 in 2021. That was the time before. Um, so they haven't – they have. this is the farthest – or that is, this isn't the farthest they've been, but the Elite Eight is the farthest they've been, and they are one uh, – yeah, one one win away from making it back to the Elite Eight for the first time since 2004. So that's, that's, very, that's really big. Okay, so I'm going to say – I'm going to say – I'm going to name the teams. And after I get through naming the teams, you tell me which one you like, maybe one or two. Okay, you got Alabama, you got San Diego State, you got Creighton, Princeton, Florida Atlantic University, Tennessee, Kansas State, Michigan State, Houston, Miami, Xavier, Texas, Arkansas, UConn, Gonzaga, and UCLA. All of those teams have rich history in basketball. Basically, I remember when UConn won the boys and the girls two years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Arkansas, they they've got a rich history. Texas got a rich history. UCLA, they won it ten years in a row one time with Lou Alcindor, with Jabbar. You know, uh, San Diego State. Uh, I think they're they're just coming about. This is just me talking. Creighton was there not too long ago. Princeton, man, I don't know how they got there, but they're there. Tennessee's got a rich history. Kansas State, Michigan State, oh, my God. 
Michigan State has a rich history in, in college basketball. Houston's got a nice one. Miami's okay. Xavier's okay. But um, Gonzaga, I mean, they won it not too long ago. Yeah, Gonzaga so, kind of always takes at this point in time. They're always getting to the uh, Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Gonzaga's really good. I, I, I'm, they're one of my favorites also to win, too. Well, but, you know, Gonzaga's one of those teams, man, that you're like, okay, Gonzaga's in. And everybody goes, okay, who is Gonzaga and where are they? Do they have a football team? You know, you go to start, you just start asking questions. Exactly. <laughs> where are they? Who do they play? <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're in the Sweet 16. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, again, man, I, I, I just like Florida Atlantic just because of where they sit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about yeah. that last week, man. I mean, you know, the admissions office is on the beach. Wow. I mean, looking up that campus, this is a really, really beautiful campus. Um, and I I if I would have known that that was even a, uh, something that they had going on there. I would have applied there just because, you know. <laughs> right. right, exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey man, they got a football team too, man. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, you know sometime at some point in time during their uh, football team or their football season, at some point in time, I know they go on go to the beach to have some type of workout there or uh, some type of exercise. I know that is definitely something that they do. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just such a beautiful campus. You know, uh, you know, but uh, they have such a beautiful campus, and then you're like, okay, okay, what's after that? You know, what city are they in? You know, what's close by, this, that, and the other. You know, things you think about when you're going to college. Um, Of course, they got a, you know, I'm I'm sure they got a pretty good academic program and whatnot, but it's just that. Florida Atlantic, man, to be sitting where they're sitting, I, I think they're running the radar when it comes to beautiful campuses in America. I think they really run under the radar because if a lot of people, like you said, if they knew what you saw last week, people just knew what you saw, that beautiful campus sitting on that beach like that, they would be like, hmm, we might need to make a run down there and check, check this out. <laughs> we might need to write a run and check it out. Hey man, look at this man. We've had a great time here. We're running out of time right here. Hey man, I think we had a beautiful uh program and show today because we had some people that are uh, uh newcomers to really write up our show and I want to give them a shout out for all their hard work. Uh Sierra and Kevin. Great job, great job, and I think they're gonna do a really good job here at Sports Talk Atlanta. And uh, yourself, Kevin, I, I mean, not Kevin, but Jamel, for really helping things out uh, for all of this. Um you have any good last words for us? Because we're going into Sweet 16 March Madness, man. It, you talk about madness. It's about to be madness now, uh, Jamel. It is about to be madness. I do uh, also want to talk about uh, Kansas State right quick in their game against Kentucky. They had a really good game, a really close game as well. Uh, came down to the wire. But they have a guy on the team. He's 5'8". His name is Marquise Noel. And he had, I believe, 27 points in that game. They are one of my favorites to go all the way. I don't know if they'll win it, but I think they'll, I think they'll be in that pool. Um, and, I, and when I was watching this guy play in that, in that game, he was going off, and it—I mean—it really spoke to just the heart, <laughs> just the heart yeah. of the Um Because when you think about, are you thinking six feet, six one, six two, and then for a guard, and you're thinking forward, six five, six six, center, six ten, six eleven, seven feet. Um, and this guy's five eight point guard, um, and he's using his size to his advantage. So uh, I'm definitely gonna be watching Kansas State, and I'm definitely gonna be watching the rest of March Madness getting down to the end. Um, and I cannot wait to watch it. I think it's going to be another good good week um, of, of sports, college sports, and then Major League Baseball is coming up too. So we are getting ready to really um, get into some good, good sports right here. Hey, man, get strapped in, Jamel, because here we go. Let's get it. Let's get it, man. 
Let's get it. Let's get it. It's March Madness and Major League Baseball colliding, and then we got track coming up too, man. Look at this. For all of us here at Sports Talk Atlanta, we want to thank everybody for listening to our show. We want to thank all of our listeners and our followers for uh, hanging in there with us. This is Sports Talk Atlanta. Never had it so good. Sports Media Network and Radio. We'll see you next time.